so glad that you are here, whether it is in this room or online. I'll tell you, I was, I was uh, so happy to, to, we actually have several new families in this hour, several new families in the previous hour, and I got to see my old friends, Jack and Francine Dole, who were here for the first time today. And they said, it's been 11 months. I said, you must be fully vaccinated. And they said, yep, we are. So welcome back if you're, if you're just back today as well. So good to have you. So we're in this series that we're uh, spending several months in the book of Ephesians. And we're calling the series Reframe because basically what Paul's doing is going to help us to reframe our understanding of who a Christian is and what we're called to do. This is a really good book for that. And so that's where we've been and where we're going. So you can be turning in your Bibles and we're going to go to uh, Ephesians chapter 5 in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 5. And um, in this text today... He, Paul, is going to challenge us. He's going to challenge us to give a hearty look at how we're managing the time that we have in this life. Because we don't have very much of it. We only get really a few minutes compared to eternity. And so he's going to challenge us to give a, a, a good heartfelt look at, okay, how am I stewarding the time that I've been given here. Now, to prime the pump and get you all ready, get us all ready to uh, talk about this, I want to give you a little quiz that I came upon in my study. It's just four questions, yes or no questions, okay? So you can just sort of run it through in your mind as I, as I have the questions. It's question number one. Do you ever feel like there are not enough hours in the day, like you're playing catch-up all the time, or at least playing catch-up more than you wish? Yes or no, okay? You don't have to say it out loud. Just sort of answer. Okay, secondly, sometimes I feel guilty about my time, like my kids and my grandkids are growing up so fast that I'm missing it, or I feel like I ought to be reading God's word more or praying, God, uh, praying to God more or making a bigger difference in other people's lives. I want to, I'm just so busy. Yes or no? Okay. Number three, what about this one? <clears throat> Do you ever engage in what they call magical thinking? Magical thinking would be like this. Suppose five years ago you were going to work one day. And on your way there, you got every green light that, you know, every traffic light you came. And then the final mile or two, there was an ambulance racing by. And so you just got in behind him and you followed him the whole way there. And you made it in 15 minutes flat. You've never done that before. You've never done it since. But somehow it got lodged in your mind. I can get to work every day in 15 minutes. Magical thinking. Do you ever engage in magical thinking? Number four, last one, procrastination. Do you ever put off making maybe a doctor's appointment or studying for a test or writing a term paper or doing your taxes or, you know, things that you probably could just go ahead and get done, but instead you like to sort of live on the edge of deadlines, procrastination. Okay, yes or no? Now, I'm going to ask us to have a moment of uh, real vulnerability here, okay? Not just here in this room, online. I'm going to ask you to do this. In a minute, I'm going to, I'm going to count to three. And, I, and if you said yes to any one of those questions, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, okay? Ready? One, two, three. Wow, are you all a mess. Okay, so <laughs> it's a good thing we've got this sermon coming. Now, in, in honesty... A guy wrote me, uh, texted me after this first service, said, that was a great sermon. He said, you really challenged me. I said, honestly, 
was preaching it to me as well. It's a challenging word for all of us. So here we go. Ephesians 5, uh, starting in verse 14b. Paul writes, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, in this brief passage, Paul's going to drive home three truths that I want to make sure that we get our minds wrapped around. So here we go. If you're a note taker, here's number one. The first one is he's going to say very clear. He's telling us, be careful. That comes through in verse 15. Look carefully then at how you walk. The old King James Version put it this way. Be circumspect, which is an old Latin word d- d- derived from two words. Circum meaning look around, spect meaning look, to look around. Always be looking around, he was saying, to be careful. Why? He's saying, hey, you people, you need to wake up because it's like you're sleepwalking and you can't just be lollygagging your way through the hours and the days and the years of this life because they're very limited. So you gotta pay attention to how am I spending my time? He's saying you gotta look side to side, you gotta look all the way around, why? Because if you don't, one wrong step and who awaits your um, goof? The devil, First Peter 5, 8. Our enemy, the devil, roars around, roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. And so he's saying, you gotta, you gotta wake up, you gotta pay attention now. Sadly, believers who have the spirit of Christ living inside of us, who moves in and installs us with some measure of discernment that comes with the Holy Spirit, despite it, so many Christians throughout history have just punted all discernment, thrown their minds away, and they get lured off to all sorts of strange, unwise ways of using their time. I think of what happened in the 1840s. There was a preacher called William Miller. He was a farmer by the weekday and a Baptist preacher uh, on the weekends. And he got studying Daniel chapter 8, and he thought he'd figured out. He, he said, I figured out when, when Jesus is coming back, the second coming. And he announced it. He said, it's going to be on April the 3rd, 1843. That, Daniel 8, he surmised, that's what it's telling us. So he started preaching this. His crowds started swelling, overflowing. He's getting quite a following. And they're all looking towards April 3rd, 1843. And as that date approached, something terrible began to happen. Some people began to commit suicide. Other people began to just to, just to kill their family members, assuming somehow that that might expedite their loved ones just going on straight to heaven. And then April 3rd, 1843 came. And then it went. Whoops didn't come back he'd missed on that date so he goes back in the study and he comes out a few days later with a new date 
He said, I got it a little off. And so he, he announces that new date. Missed on that one. Went back a few more times. Finally, he got it pinpointed. It says, this is the once and for all. It's going to be on October 22nd, 1844. That's when he's coming back. Again, no second coming of Christ. And five years later, he died. Now, here's what really makes your heart sink. Somehow, he still retained followers. They'd stayed with him. They were lacking wisdom, but they just couldn't get their minds disentangled from the ways that he'd been teaching them. And so they go back and they, after he's died, he, they go back and they revise the doctrines at, that Miller had been espousing and perpetuating. And they came out with the announcement, actually, he was right. Miller was right. Jesus did come back. He just didn't come physically. He came spiritually. He already came back. And even today, there are several cultic groups that still espouse this Millerite theology. It's not wise. More recently, closer to home, I've watched some believers, friends, as they've let their minds get entangled with one or more of the sort of conspiracy theories that are going around. Some were predicting in no uncertain terms, January 20th, a couple of months ago, it was going to be an inauguration day like none other. It's going to be a bloodbath. Right here in this area, they're saying, you better stock up. Two weeks. Food, water is going to be a mess. And, you know, but... They just had really gotten mishmashed in with that whole way of thinking. I was watching on TV, as you probably were. It's like, That's a pretty normal inauguration day, just a little smaller because the pandemic. So why do people, thinking Christian people who have minds, why is it that they espouse the you know, conspiracy theories and these sorts of things? Because they become convinced, I found the real source of truth. I found the inside lane to the track. This actually is getting me closer to the truth that I could have gotten when you had Jesus who said, I am the truth. Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. You don't need better than that. There isn't better than that. But these time-sucking leeches of foolishness, they've, they've always been weaseling their ways into the minds of believers. And, and going back to the earliest days of Christianity, you see that in what Paul wrote to Titus, chapter 3. He was telling Titus, look, here, here's the deal. There's always going to be these weird, you know, fringe ways of thinking. Avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable. They are useless, Paul tells Titus. So he's saying here, wake up, people. Open your eyes. Don't get involved in these outlying extremes. Make the most of your time. Verse 15, look carefully at how you walk. Don't be unwise, but be wise. Why? Verse 16b, because the days are evil. What's he mean by that? What he's saying is, look, 
in this fallen world of ours, in this world that is sin-infected and now is run uh, by the devil who, who has and is going to take any uh, ground that you will give him as we await heaven. There's going to be no shortage of temptations and t- techniques that he'll throw our way for squandering our time away. And so that's why Paul is saying you have to be circumspect. You have to be careful. You have to be looking around, keeping your eyes open, which leads to the second thing. Not only be careful, but be productive. And that's what we get in verse 16. Make the best use of the time because the days are evil. Another version puts it, redeem the time. And, and is hearkening back to the, to the word picture of a, of a Jewish woman in the market who's just, who's just snatching up deals while, while the time is available. And she's making all the deals that she can make. And, and that's what Paul is saying. That's what we need to be doing with the time that we have. P- putting as much of the good stuff into it as we can. Redeeming the time. Because we're on the clock. The old preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon in the 1800s, He wrote something sobering. I'll read it to you. He said, do not believe that you're standing still, loved ones. You're not standing still. Your pulses each moment beat the funeral march to your eventual tomb. You're chained to the chariot of rolling time. And there's no bridling the horses that are pulling that chariot forward. Nor is there any leaping from the chariot. You realize... Most of us, we won't even get a thousand months of life. It's about 83 years in case you're like, okay, how many is this? <laughs> and as of today, we've already burned through two months of this new year. So our time, it's like money. You know, we tend to think, uh, certainly when we're younger, what is mine is mine. It's, you know, I earned it. It's, it's my money. But the older you get, the more you begin to realize, wow, the day is going to come when I'm going to lie in that casket. And what I thought was mine is not going to be mine anymore. Then it's going to pass into the hands of some other people. And God is going to say, yes. That's why you have to be a good steward of the money that I give you. I, I'm, just, I'm just loaning it to you just to see how you handle it. And are you generous with it to other people? And the same is... It can be said of our time. He says, you don't have forever. I'm just going to give you this many months. And I want to watch how you steward those months that I give you of your life. I want to watch how you use the time, the impact that you make, the investment that you make in other people's lives, in the things that will last eternally. Uh, Some protest, though, and they say, no. My time is my time. My life is my life. No, it's not. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, nope, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. What's the price? The price of Jesus' blood on the cross. What's he referring to? He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the good news. He, he, he's saying, in essence, you were your own. And trust me, you don't want to stay your own. Because if you're on your own, then you're headed on your own to a Christless eternity where you'll be separated from God in the hell of that separation forever. 
That's who you were, but that's not who you are now. You're not your own. Why? Because you've been redeemed. You've been repurchased, rebought. You've been brought back by the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. He's reminding us of the gospel. If you've trusted in the gospel, then you've come to realize that our great God loved us so much that he would send his only son who would live the life of sinlessness that you and I, we couldn't live. So that then he would die the death of punishment that we all deserved as our substitute. And then on the third day, he would conquer the grave, declaring to any of us who have tethered ourselves, who have attached ourselves to him through faith, you too will conquer the grave. You too will have life everlasting and abundant. That's why he's saying, you're not your own. Your time is not your own. You're on the clock and it's my clock. I'm watching how you steward this time that I give to you. In Ephesians 2.10, Paul tells us further, he says, and besides, I've created good works for you to do. You're, you're, you are God's workmanship. We are God's workmanship created and, and saved in Christ Jesus to do good works that he set out before us to do. Now, my question is, are you doing those things that he created you to do? Or are you just being frivolous with your time and throwing it away? I hope not, because... Jesus said in John 9, 4, the night cometh when no one will work. And so we have now. We have to use our time now for his glory. There's a professor at Fuller Seminary uh, for years, beloved, who now has gone on to heaven, but his name was Lewis Smeads. And Lewis Smeads wrote a piece about this very thing that we're talking. And I'm just going to read it to you because I think it's so poignant he says, I, brought a I bought a brand new calendar today with pages of blank squares. Each square has a number to tell me each day of the month that I'm in at that moment. Each square is a frame for one episode of my life. Before I'm through with this book, I'll fill up each square with classes that I'll teach people I'll have lunch with, committee meetings that I'll have to sit through. I'll fill squares as well with plenty of things that I actually don't take the time to write in. Thousands of cups of coffee, times spent in devotions and prayer, serving other people to help them. But whatever I do, it's going to have to fit inside that square of the day that I'm in because I live one square at a time. And he says, each square has an invisible door that leads to the next door. And at the stroke of midnight, that door opens and I'm pulled through as by a magnet, sucked into the next square to fill that frame of time now. But the older I get, the more the squares seem to be getting smaller. One day I'm going to walk into a square that has no door. There'll be no mysterious opening, no walk into the next square that day. One of the squares will be my final one. And I don't know which square it will be. So I must fill the squares I have as wisely as I can. It's pretty good, isn't it? Leads to the third thing. Be wise. 
He said, you need to be careful, be circumspect, be productive because the days are evil. And finally, he's going to say, therefore, be wise. Look at verse 17. That's where we get this one. Don't be foolish. What's the opposite of foolish? Wisdom. And how do we get wisdom? By understanding the will of God and doing that. That's what he's telling us. Because the fool is oblivious to God's will and his purposes for, the, for, for his life or her life. And that's who, what we were. That's how all of us started. But not once you've trusted in Christ. Not once you've stepped across and you've become one of his. So you say, well, I want to do God's will. Well, the only way that you'll know God's will is, is, is if you're filling your mind with God's word. That's how we, we know to think the thoughts of God because we've become so familiar with the words of God. Now, whenever you talk about the will of God, I, I know what happens. People, it, it becomes kind of this mysterious thing. Oh, I want to know God's will. I want to know God's, it's so hard to know God's will. Let me try to demystify it in the next couple of minutes here. The reality is probably 5% of the time max Understanding God's will, discerning God's will can be a little tricky. It's, it tends to be when you come to those forks in the road where you have to make a big decision. Like, am I going to take this job or that job? Am I going to move to this city or that city? Am I going to marry this person or just maybe not? <laughs> These moments are the moments where you do need to pray extra hard. You need to do a little extra fasting and, and get some Christian believing brothers and sisters who are speaking words of wisdom to you as you're trying to make these big. But 95% of the time, friends, 90% of the time is most every other day, day in and day out. God's will is not that mysterious. It's not that hard. You say, well, I just don't ever feel like I know what I, you know, I'm just looking. Well, maybe you need to go back and listen to what Ben Stewart preached to us last week, two weeks ago. Maybe it's because you're spending so much of your time just filling your minds with the mental bubblegum of social and you're just, you're just looking at this. All You do that for several hours and it does start to discombobulate you. No wonder you wouldn't be so sure that you're doing what God wants you to do because you're, you're focused on the wrong things. What has our mind has us. Instead, anchored people, anchored people are people who say, no, 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 I'm carving out time. I have an appointment in my calendar, an appointment with God for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45, an hour, maybe more, where I read his word. I'm working through a plan. I'm reading his word because I want to be familiar with what he says so that I can think his thoughts. Or I'm spending time um, in prayer talking with him. I'm spending time with my grow group. I, I'm part of my grow group or my micro group, learning and, and processing with other brothers or, or sisters or even anchored people are getting out and actually getting outside themselves and serving some other people as well. And, and speaking of um, knowing and doing God's will, I want to show you this. The timing couldn't have been better for it. Um, 
I want you to pull out this little brochure. We're having a campaign that we're gonna call the Share Hope Campaign. It's a five-week campaign that leads us to Easter, okay? And, and so there's just all sorts of stuff. I can't take uh, credit for many of them, but our team had just all these great ideas of just ways that we can create on-ramps for people to say, you know what, I wanna take a step. Just make it simple for me. I wanna take a step moving forward in my faith. So we're gonna share our hearts, our time, and our resources. What are some ways we can share heart? We have a Lenten devotional, uh, The Journey Through John. You can get signed up for that and jump in, and, and there's some help for your daily devotions. We're going to have an evangelism workshop. Next Sunday, Steve Carter's going to be preaching about evangelism, about uh, living an invitational life and reaching out to other people. He's going to come back, actually, and he's going to do a seminar on the evening of the 21st of March and or the 28th for a couple of hours. And maybe you're like, you know, I think that would be good for me to go through just to, because, you know, whenever I know I'm supposed to put in a word for Jesus, my palms get sweaty and I'm just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But it it's, it's really doesn't have to be that tough. So maybe you'd be like, I think that's one way I could share my heart. We're going to do Easter in a new way this year. Not for the kids. We've got a fantastic, huge kids ministry building, plenty of space there. We're having a little challenge as we think about the adults because Center Court West is down for all the construction that they're doing in there to, to uh, get that repurposed uh, and, and, and all. So we're going to have Easter under the tent outside on Easter. That's going to be awesome. Um, you'll be hearing more about it. <clears throat> Maybe you bring some people uh, with you as well as uh, coming to Easter at the tent, uh, under the tent. Uh, share hope. We had that great testimony uh, that uh, Diane down in, uh, up in Buffalo, New York had. And maybe you're online in a different place. Maybe you're right here in this community. And just drop us a little 60-second test, 60 testimony of some things that God's been doing. It's always inspiring for us to hear God sightings. Ways you can share time. Super Serve Saturday. That's next Saturday. We're going to have a lot of people going out who are going to be serving with our local mission partners. Maybe you're kind of a roll-up-your-sleeves kind of guy or gal. And you're like, I want to go out and serve some people. There's your chance. Next Saturday. Serve teams. Every week we got serve teams that are doing the stuff that it takes to run around here, the ushers and the greeters and the parkers and all that kind of stuff. Resources, sharing our resources. We do something periodically called Pay It Forward, where you get these little cards. They're just, it, it looks kind of like this. It's just like a business card size. When you're going through uh, McDonald's or Starbucks, you just pay for the person behind you. Tell the person, hey, put my... Uh, put his or her tab on ours. Let me pay for that. And you leave them the card and then they'll give the card to the person. It's just a practical way to show God's love uh, with no strings attached. And if you have kids, kids love it, man. They're like, he's smiling, you know? And, and so um, that's kind of a fun thing. You can be doing that. Food share, we did amazing this past week. We'll, we'll always do that on the first Sunday. Um, we're gonna do something new. We have, we've had Stellar blood drives. They love coming here because we always fill up all the slots. Thank you for sharing that way. But we're going to also do this new thing um, for people who have blood cancers like leukemia because we've been learning they need bone marrow uh, uh, matches as well. So maybe you'll sign up and be a part of that. And then the Bless Our City Fund, we had that great announcement today. We're not going to close the fund um, because there'll always be people who are coming in applying and they have a need, and uh, maybe you'd like to make a special offering still to bless our city. Um, so here's the great thing about this little list that I just gave you. You want to know God's will? Well, 
you do any of these things, you ain't gonna be very far from God's will, okay? And so we don't have to make it quite so mysterious. I think the problem is many of us, we're just not allocating the time quite rightly. Many of us, we're actually filling our time with the bubble gum of life. What is that? Well, that would be like uh, just sort of checking your social all the time or watching YouTube videos like one or two of my boys do all the time. Or maybe you like ESPN and, you know, and that, I, who doesn't like ESPN and see the highlights? But, you know, you watch one cycle of those highlights for 25 minutes. It, it really kind of comes back around. You don't need to sit there three hours, you know. And, and, and so there's all these ways that we, you know, that our time just gets sucked away if we're not careful. Um, watching cable opinion news, you know, shows and that sort of thing. Now, here's the problem. If you filled up that much of your time already with the bubblegum stuff of life, the sand uh, of life, now, now you've got a, a bigger problem because you actually do have some stuff you've got to get done. You've got kids, right? So you've got to get them to school. You've got you to make sure that you're helping them with the homework if they need some help with the homework. Uh, you also need to you get them to football or violin or baseball or, you know, whatever else you got there. You got to get the bills paid, right? You got to make sure that the bills are getting paid. You got to make sure that there's food on the table. If you got a spouse, you, you probably ought to have a date night, you know, here and there and, and uh, you know, have a little time that you're investing uh, just to, in, the, in the marriage. And, and you probably need a little exercise, right? So you need to, you know, so those things are kind of important. You got to get those in. Now, here's, here's the problem. You've used up a lot of your time and you haven't even gotten to the eternal stuff. What's the eternal stuff? The eternal stuff is like your walk with God, spending time in his word, talking with him in prayer, um, making sure that uh, you're getting to your grow group where you're, or your micro group, um, maybe serving over bridging for tomorrow to, to help some people. Uh, who are less fortunate with you than you uh, are going on, you know, some sort of maybe one of the mission trips or, or maybe trying to invest your time with somebody who doesn't know Christ. You're, you're like, I need to make time. See, the problem is you're out of time. You didn't get the stuff in that you needed to get in. But what if we did what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, seek, six, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you'll seek that first, all the other stuff will be added in. You'll get it in. So you start with the meaningful stuff, the timeless stuff, the stuff that matters, your walk with God, your prayer life, spending time in his word each day, serving some other people, going down to bridging for tomorrow or these sorts of things, maybe going on a mission trip. You get, you get that stuff in first, and then you get to the stuff that also you got to get this done, and you got to get the kids delivered, and you got to get them signed up for this, got to make sure that we understand, you know, and get the history project done, and all the stuff that's going to be due on Monday that we didn't find out until Sunday. Um, and uh, so you got to get all of these, so you got to get the bills paid, you got to... Uh, you know, make sure you got a date night here and there to keep marriage going along well. And you, you get these things in. Now, here's the interesting thing. 
you still want to have a little time to check your social or watch a little ESPN or some YouTube videos or whatever, those things can go around the periphery. But they don't block out the stuff that mattered because you got the sequencing right. See, I think some of us would do well to, to have a not to-do list. You have a to-do list probably. But I've found more and more it helps me to have a not to-do list. And I gotta put the bubble gum stuff on my not to-do list so that I make sure I'm getting the big rocks in first, that I'm getting that stuff in the to-do list and I'm getting that. And then if you get that and once you get that done, you'll have a little time around the edges in the peripheries of time. You can do some of the not to do stuff, but you got the sequencing right and it worked. Sometimes the best addition that we can make to our schedule is a good subtraction. And so friends, I want us to make sure as we go from here today that we're looking carefully, careful at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, loved ones. Understand what the will of God is and let's spend our time doing that. Amen? Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your word. Uh, to think that Paul wrote these things for us 2,000 years ago. Times and circumstances have changed, but the truth is still as timeless and as valuable as it was ever. Lord, my prayer is that those of us who needed a little challenge, who needed some convicting, might do some evaluating, even today and do some calculating about what needs to move around so that we can get the rocks in that need to get in instead of wasting so much of our time on the bubble gum that just consumes our mind and impairs our ability to really do the things that you created for us to do. I pray that you'll help us there. And friends, if you're here or if you're watching uh, with us, just wherever it is that you are and you've never crossed the line of faith, you don't have Jesus, you never trusted in Jesus, that's where you must start. Even now, I'd invite you while I'm praying, do you just pray wherever you are? Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Fill me full of your Holy Spirit. Put in my mind new thoughts, discerning thoughts that might help me to go through life more effectively stewarding the time that you've given to me for however many months my life will be. I want to follow you, Lord Jesus. Won't you put your blessing on all of us as we go from here today? We ask these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.